Daytona Top 5, a show where we count things down from number 5 all the way to number 1 and by request. This one may be a little difficult because this week we have the top 5 films you may not have heard of. Now, I had to change it just a little bit because um, originally it was top 5 films you have not heard of Uh but should watch anyway. Which, you know, I don't really, I'm not a big fan of all those uh, listicles and things that say, here's 20 things you didn't know about Blade Runner. And it's like... You know, how do you know I don't know anything about this? So I had to put that amendment in there. Top five films you may not have heard of, but should watch anyway. Now, here's the other problem. As I'm going through the list of films, uh, I've mentioned some of these at least once, and I know we've talked about one or two of them uh, at least once. Don't worry, there's no push. There's no jumper on my list. Right. Uh, But we have very, very smart and very, very uh, well-refined listeners who may travel down the obscure passages of the internet and the movie webs and may have seen these movies. So, But I'm going to guess that there is a fair amount of people who have not seen or may not have heard of these movies. And so maybe we will uh, offer up some some new stuff for people this episode. I, I am a bad person for this episode because I have, I think the equivalent of like face blindness when it comes to obscurity, because people will put up lists and go, well, here's an obscure thing you didn't know. And I'm like, yes, I did. I've known that. Yeah. And that's why, that's why I say that when people say that you didn't know, it's like, no, how about some things you may not have heard of? Right. So the obvious stuff, they're like, yeah, what about this? Oh, I don't know how to do that. But I do know that Sid Haig from Jason of star command was also captain Spaulding in the Rob zombie movies. So So what do you have for number five, Matthew? My number five is true nonsense and it's a beautiful nonsense. And it's something that I love and it may not actually count as a movie, but since I got it on a VHS tape as a movie and watched it as such, I'm going to say that it counts as a compilation. I'm sure that it aired somewhere. It's 1981 elephant parts. Uh, which is actually made by Mike Nesmith of the monkeys. And it's a collection of just basically comedy sketches. If you've ever seen it, you know that it's funny. If you haven't seen it, don't because you'll actually recognize most of it as jokes that I have made that you thought I was being super clever about. Um, so that's kind of a thing. It is uh, one of the things that Mike did after the monkeys but before he invented MTV, or actually, this may be part of the genesis of music videos and MTV and the things that became, sadly, MTV that eventually became, you know, reality television and that we have to blame Mike for. But it does have a lot of brilliant sketches. It's got some wonderful jokes. It's got a whole uh, sequence where Mike is drunk at a bar and keeps trying to order morning Greta. You need a Martin Greta for my wife. Oh, I set my wife on fire. Can I get a Martin Greta for my wife's fire? And a coffee cuppy, please. I need to sober up. And if that sounded in any way funny to you, and it probably didn't, you should definitely check out Elephant Parts. I think that you've probably never heard of it, except for Carl, who used to live with me and thus doesn't count. But you should definitely watch it. All right. Rodrigo, what do you have on your list? Oh, by the way, everyone, Rodrigo's here. Hi, Rodrigo. Hey. What do you have for your number five? Uh, my number five, I think, is something that 
if you have if you either have spent a lot of time listening to our shows or actually studied film, you probably know about it. But if you don't, um, this film is sort of part of a uh, trifecta uh, of important films uh, in uh, the German Expressionist movement, um, and that's the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Um, I, I I feel that um, out of the German stuff of the time, uh, Nosferatu gets a lot of play. Um, I think because vampires are still popular, so people go back to it. And of course, because of uh, eventually they made a movie about filming Nosferatu, uh, which may not actually be better than Nosferatu, but who, who can tell? Uh, but The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari is uh, an important film. It's a relevant film, and um, you you can tell that as you watch that film, and they do like plot twists, or uh, they like kind of change things on you. You know that this was actually the first movie to do that, right? You know when you like watch a movie and you're like, oh, this is like that. They did this in like this other movie. It's like nobody did it before the Cabinet of Doctor Caligari because nobody was doing anything before the Cabinet of Doctor Caligari. So um, you can uh, watch this and then feel cool at, uh, I suppose, Zoom cocktail parties, if that's a thing. <laughs> Should be. Yeah, that's, that's a crazy thing, especially when they're painting in all the shadows on the sets because they couldn't afford uh, lights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Just love that whole thing. Yep. All right. So my number five, I'm pretty sure you have heard of because I've written about it on the major spoiler site uh, before. But I'm almost positive you have never seen this film. But if you do get a chance to see it, I think it's well worth it. It's 52577. This is a coming-of-age film written uh, and directed by Patrick Reed Johnson. It is semi-autobiographical about uh, Johnson growing up in the 60s and 70s and wanting to do uh, movies and do special effects in movies. Uh, You know, he's, he's blown away by 2001 A Space Odyssey. He loves Planet of the Apes. And then, and he's trying to recreate all this stuff. He loves Jaws, and he's trying to recreate these films using no budget and low budget as a kid. Now, uh, the person who plays him in the movie is uh, uh, John Francis Daly, that you may know um, um, from Freaks and Geeks. Uh, he was on Bones when he grew up. Yeah, and then, then Patrick Reed Johnson one day hears about Star Wars. And he realizes that this is going to change everything. And this is his one last chance to really experience uh, what he thinks is going to be classic uh, special effects in cinema. And it drives the entire film, his desire to find meaning. And he lives in Illinois and he doesn't really, uh, you know, he doesn't really have access to Hollywood. But then through uh, through a random phone call, he does. This is a fantastic movie. Uh, The problem is. It really hasn't been released yet. It was it was uh, completed in I want to say like 2013, and then it had a small limited run in 2017. And Johnson has taken it around to colleges as he's trying to raise money to complete the film because there's a lot of special effects work that needs to be finished in the film. Now, fortunately, I've been pestering Patrick Reed Johnson since 2013 about when this movie is finally going to come out. And every once in a while, I'll get on Twitter and bemoan the fact that for years, I've been waiting for 52577 to come out. That's the, uh, that's the release date of, of Star Wars. Uh, and one day he just contacted me and said, Hey man, 
do you want to see, do you want a screener copy of this film? And I was like, are you kidding? I've been waiting for this thing for, you know, 10 years. And, uh, and he sent me one and I watched it and it is, it's really good. I can see parts that still need to be smoothed up a little bit with the, with the special effects. And that's what he's doing in his, in his spare time. But this is a fantastic film. And if you guys ever get a chance to see it, 52577 is worth your time, especially if you are a fan of science fiction, if you're a fan of the of the whole uh, special effects industry, whether it be Ray Harryhausen or whether it be the start of digital effects, or even if you were just blown away by Star Wars, this is a film that you will need to uh, track down and check out. And that is the my number five film on films you may not have heard of, but you should probably watch anyway. Let's swing around to our big number fours. Matthew, what do you have for number four? Number four is the one that I think I am most uncertain of, uh, with the exception of my number one, which I'm sure Steven's going to yell at me about, but that's okay, because you I know, mean, that's our whole you thing. already had one that isn't a movie, so where can we go from here? Uh, well, this one is actually a cheeseburger. <laughs> uh, no, my number four is a film by a sort of a comedy troupe, if you will, an ensemble, whom I desperately love from their work. Their first uh, movie, Super Troopers, is well-loved and everybody knows it. Their second movie, Club Dread, is terrible. I still love it, and a lot of people have heard of it. And we go through, and eventually you get to the point of 2009's The Slammin' Salmon, which is a broken lizard film. Broken lizard, of course, is uh, five guys who write together and sometimes direct together. This one is directed by Kevin, the guy who played Farva in Super Troopers. I guess it was his turn. I don't know. It has Michael Clark Duncan in it. It has Kobe Smulders from How I Met Your Mother. And essentially, it takes place on one night in a restaurant where they are trying, they're competing to see who can sell the most of this terrible salmon dish, which is probably have, starting to go bad. And the winner will get $10,000 or so, it seems. Now, I will say this. Um, it is definitely a gross film. It's a film that reminds me of my youth in the 80s when, you know, fart jokes and penis jokes were a thing. And a girl getting set on fire repeatedly pops up. And there are a lot of moments in this film where the jokes are, uh, to turn a phrase, right at crotch level. But it's still really funny, and it still has that broken lizard kind of mystique around it. And the ending, while bizarre and stupid, is also kind of perfect. And I think that describes broken lizard for me. Bizarre, perfect, and a little bit stupid. And if you've never seen this one, I recommend just taking a moment, sitting down and watching it. I don't even think it got a release release. I want to say somebody streamed it and then it went straight to DVD because nobody seemed to like it. I liked it. Honestly, you could spend 90 minutes worse than the Slammin' Salmon. Yeah. Yeah. Rodrigo, what do you have for, for your number four? Uh, my number four is a movie that was widely released, um, but that I never hear anyone talking about. And I think because or I think part of the reason why we don't hear people talk about it is a, nobody saw it right. and B uh, the, at least one of the people involved went on to just have such a slam dunk of a film career that this part of their career kind of is now being overshadowed. Uh, that person uh, is of course uh, Jordan Peele. 
And the movie that I'm talking about is Keanu. Uh, Keanu is uh, the story of a guy who is sad because he just got broken up with. uh, And so he buys a tiny kitten uh, and he names him Keanu. And from there, like that's the last normal thing that happens in this movie. From there, it just gets weirder and weirder and stupider and stupider um, until the very end of it, where the characters have sort of been transformed by the such a having such a weird experience. Um, I think that uh, this movie actually has a brief cameo uh, by Keanu Reeves. Uh, he is uncredited, but I think he's the voice of the cat during a brief dream sequence where the cat talks. Mm-hmm. Um, if you like Key and Peele, this is basically the Key and Peele movie. Like this is this is a Key and Peele skit that got out of control, is what this feels like. So if you enjoy sort of pre-get out Jordan Peele's work, you know Key and Peele, Matt TV, all that stuff, uh, you'll probably enjoy this. Um, if you if you watched uh, get out or us or whatever and you're like i want to see his earlier stuff then you're you're not going to be you're not going to be into this uh it's it's very much a um harold and harold and kumar or like dude where's my car type movie um that's that's probably the close i can put it uh also uh it has tiffany haddish in a rare straight man role uh, where she's not the one cracking the jokes, but actually like facilitating them, at least most of the movie. Uh, so yeah, uh, watch Keanu, a movie that I feel came out in theaters, but uh, yeah, it did for a hot second, didn't it? Yeah, and it was it was on and it was out, and there was like at the same time there was this like Kevin Spacey Shaggy Dog, except it's a cat movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like two competing cat movies at the same time and nobody watched either of them. <laughs> funny. That's funny. Uh, my number four is one that uh, I've definitely talked about before. In fact, Zach and I did a whole episode about this movie in 2016 on the uh, Zach on film podcast. It's big in Japan. It's 2014's big in J- Japan. Uh, it is about a Seattle rock band called the tennis pro. And they're just having a tough go of it in the United States. They're just not filling uh, bars, they're not getting noticed, they're not getting the record deal that they want, um, you know, the the main, the lead actor's, uh, or the lead character's uh, wife is like, you know, maybe you should go back to teaching and give up on this crazy stuff, and one day they meet somebody who's like, you know, I could put you guys on tour in Japan if you want to, and as a last-ditch effort, they're like, yep, we're going to pool our resources, we're going to go tour in Japan, and if nothing happens there, then we will give up on our dreams. And so this is a movie about following your dreams. It's got some very cool indie music to it. Uh, I really dig it a lot. Um, they do go to Japan and they get involved in an incident that uh, kind of puts them in a, in a spotlight. Uh, it doesn't make them super, super successful. But by the time they do come back uh, to America, they do start to gain a following. So it does have a happy ending at the end. But it is sad. It's heartbreaking. It's funny as heck. Uh, and it's definitely worth checking out. It's big in Japan. Uh, I don't know who this, uh, what, what studio released this. I don't, I, I know that there was a studio released it, uh, but I can't, uh, I can't find it very easily because you can't even find a wiki page on this one, but uh, definitely go check it out. It is a fun musical romp. And speaking of fun musical romps, that brings us to our number threes and Matthew. 
My number three is a fun musical romp. What are the odds of Steven's transition actually working? All my transitions work. Yeah, sure. Um, here's the deal. It is a film that I have watched on the YouTube with my kid. It was put up there by the makers, uh, Star Kid Productions. It is called The Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals, and it is a musical. Um, I, I want you to imagine, if you will, Invasion of the Body Snatchers as a musical with a limited cast of about seven to ten people. So everyone plays multiple characters, but those characters pop in and out. And you have these moments where it's like, oh, no, zombies are attacking. And then for some reason, the whole who does and doesn't like musicals becomes very important because they're not just zombies. They're musical zombies. And once you are killed by the alien zombie thing, you start being part of the musical to where you're, you know, you're perfectly singing and dancing with everyone else. And of course, the main character, the guy who doesn't like musicals, has to deal with the fact that not only has his hometown gone insane, it's gone insane in a way that really, really makes him unhappy. But he might find love and he might find a better life. And, you know, his friends might come and save him and they might not. And, you know, you might actually learn about uh, the, the wonderful things that are in every single musical, which I think is kind of neat. So, yeah, like everything I really, really love, it's very meta. But it's also very, very funny, very well done. And all of the people can really sing. Uh, the musical director is a man named Jeff who likes to give himself notes that are way too high for his range. So I totally feel him. I feel like we are we are birds of a feather in that, and that is why you need to check it out. It is available on the YouTube. The guy who didn't like musicals, the theme song will stick in your head until you'll want to, you know, Daryl Revok it out. But don't do that because that will hurt. But definitely check out this film. All right, Rodrigo, what do you have for number three? Uh, my number three uh, has a big asterisk. Uh, to it, not not because it doesn't necessarily match up, but because it's a recommendation, like with a lot of stipulations. Um, <laughs> my number three is Freaked. Um, <gasps> if you ever wondered what uh, Alex Winter did immediately after Bill and Ted, uh, it was Freaked. And if you want to know why you don't know, it's because this movie has been pretty much buried uh, since then, because it's super weird. It's just so very weird. And it's hard to even describe how weird it is. Um, it's a movie about a bunch of people that are either um, have like were born strange or have been mutated in some way. Uh, and they all end up at this uh, very exploitive freak show. Um, and it features a really good, like, uh, like nineties, like Ninja Turtle slash American werewolf in Paris, like makeup, like the makeup, the prosthetics in this are really good and like way better than they have any right to be. <laughs> um, uh, this movie is weird. This movie is long and weirdly paced. It's gross in a lot of ways. 
Uh, but I like it a lot. And every once in a while, I'll sit down and watch it. Haven't done that in a while, which is another asterisk that I could be recommending. I, I know for a fact that this movie has some some stuff that doesn't fly in 2020, right? Um, but if you go into it with that in mind, this movie is worth seeing, A, because of how weird it is. Like when you watch this movie and then recount the plot to yourself. Um, and also because of how good the special effects are. And my second movie with a an uncredited Keanu Reeves cameo. Uh, hmm. Because he's kind of in this. So, yes. Uh, very cautiously watch Freaked. Be aware that if you share my hatred of body horror, this movie will mess you up. If if you share Matthew's hatred of body horror, you're not going to make it past the first 15 minutes. No, so. and the thing that happens with Christy Swanson is just a, a yard too far. I mean, sure. I, I, I am disgusted just thinking about it, and it is definitely a movie that I agree with you. You, you want to see, but definitely see it with the worry that if that bothers you, you don't want to go in. Yeah, just don't don't, go don't feel don't feel pressured to finish this movie. <laughs> it, it it sounds is, familiar. Is. It really does. Um, but I but I just every I'm trying to read the 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 description about it, and I'm just like, nope, I don't think I've seen this mo- movie. But I but for some yeah. reason, I also feel like I have seen this movie. Go to the yeah. IMDb and look at look at the photos because I feel that you you'd be able to remember like the the suck poppet head guy or like the the worm. Yeah, it's yeah. got the butthole surfers in it, right? I think so. All right. That's it why... made the rounds on Comedy Central. It was part of their uh, regular mm-hmm. lineup for a couple of like a couple of years, actually, which is where I saw it and hated them for, you know, exposing me to it. But what are you going to do? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, my number three is probably the most successful of all of the films on this list. It's about time, uh, 2013 film starring, uh, I don't know how you say this guy's name, Dom Hall, Domnall Gleason, uh, Bill Nighy and, um, um, Rachel McAdams is in this. Mm. And it's not a top five list about movies. If Steven doesn't have uh, time travel on it and about time mm. is a time travel movie. When uh, Tim Lake is uh, old enough, he discovers that he has the ability to jump in time. And his father, played by Bill Nighy, basically says, yes, in our family, all of the men in our family have the ability to jump anywhere in their timeline. Uh, In the past, you can't jump to the future. You can only jump to the past. But any time that you have been alive, you can jump back to. Um and, you know, dad gives him some rules, you know, don't try to make a lot of money on this. Be careful. Don't screw things up. And of course, there's a lot of moments where he, as he's trying to woo Rachel McAdams, does screw things up. Uh, he ruins relationships. He rebuilds relationships. And through the whole process, he continually connects with his father, someone that he kind of was uh, not, didn't know him very well as he was growing up. But by jumping back through time, he makes this connection with his father. This is the saddest time travel movie you will ever see. If you are not crying by the end of this movie, you have no heart, you have no soul, uh, but it's a very fun time travel movie. I mean, I, I don't remember. I think it was, um, what's his name from PVP? Scott Kurtz had recommended it to me. 
And I said, okay, I'll give the give it a try. And he's like, oh no, you you have to give this a try. And so I watched it, and uh, I I was bawling by the end, and and I was like, thanks for making me cry. He's like, I know, right? Um, grossed eighty seven million dollars on a twelve million dollar budget. It doesn't have a lot of fancy stuff in it. It takes place in just a couple of locations, but it is it's a swell movie. And I don't know if a lot of people have heard about that. I'm sure they've heard about it. They're probably familiar or have heard the the name before. But it's one that you should really watch. If you want heart... This is not uh, the, the Time Traveler's uh, wife movie. Wife. Yeah, it's, it's not like that. But it does have some romance, but it has a lot of comedy in it. And it is heartbreaking at the end. That's all I will say. Uh, so definitely go and check out my number three, About Time. We are cl- quickly climbing up the charts to our number one position. But before we get to our number one movie... We have to do our number two, Matthew. Our number two movie is A Long Distance Dedication. So here's the deal about my number two movie. I'm not 100% sure if it really counts as something that you haven't heard of, especially if you're a top five fan. Well, that's why I said Uh, our listeners are savvy. They're well-rounded. They've probably heard of everything by now. They have, especially if they've listened to this show, because I know... Uh, let's ask Carl how often I have talked about 1991's Robot Carnival before. It is the anime for people like me who weren't sure they liked anime. And it really, really is a remarkable experience, a remarkable film. If you're like, hey, what's this anime thing about? It might be a good place to start. It's nine directors, all of whom have you know their own pedigree, all of whom are great, all of whom work in different styles with different tones, sometimes completely different takes on everything, but it's all stitched together with this rough framework of robots and the traveling robot carnival. And if you sit down, and much as Steven said, I watched this film and was just in tears at the end of one of the segments and depending on which version you actually see it may be a different segment in order so i'm not going to say what the segment is in order it's either the fourth or the seventh or the 23rd i don't know but if you watch this film and you don't laugh and you don't cry and you don't kiss 15 bucks goodbye then you're doing it wrong it's really really good there are a couple of segments in here where there's stuff that doesn't necessarily feel like it, it it's quite as as it's very 90s and there are some 90s thought processes involved but even that doesn't ruin the appreciation of the good parts and you get to a point in the film where you're just like relaxed and overwhelmed with all of these things and you get to the end and then there's some explosions and a moment that makes you think hey they could make another one of these but they didn't because they hate us And that's why you should go and check out the first one, the only one, my number two, Robot Carnival. All right, there we go. Rodrigo, what is your number two? Uh, Before I go into my number two, I just point something out. Uh, If if you get Time Traveler's Wife and About Time confused, it's because they both star Rachel McAdams, which... (laughs) <laughs> when you said that, I was like, oh, this must be why, whenever I think of The Time Traveler's Wife, I think that Rachel McAdams is in it. I must be getting it confused with this movie, but no, she's in both. Yep. So now I really want somebody <laughs> I really want somebody to do a movie where a guy travels back in time to try to cast Rachel McAdams in this time travel movie. That would be funny. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
My number five has nothing to do with, or my number five, my number two. Oh, we traveled back in time. We traveled, oh. no, 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 I got to change and not recommend Freak. Um, my number two is a movie that I first encountered when I was in college. Um, and it is a weird Japanese movie in that it's kind of this like little underdog community comes together type story, but also scattered throughout are these weird vignettes some of which are plot relevant some of which are not about the relationship between people and food or people love and food um this and i've talked about it before i think a long time ago i I haven't talked about this movie in a while Uh, and that's tampopo uh, 1985 it's a japanese movie um doesn't Probably doesn't star too many people you have heard of, except uh, Ken Watanabe is in it. Uh, so that's cool. Somebody who's actually, you know, made it in in the U.S. And uh, if you, I guess, if if that's a draw for you for a movie, you can use that as a stepping stone to watching Tom Popo. It's hard for me to describe the plot. The plot is pretty straightforward, and you know. It's really a movie about characters, about getting in and seeing these characters interact, seeing them change and seeing like their friendship uh, change each other. All while there's this weird gangster who is like passing an egg back and forth between like him and his girlfriend. It's weird. It's a weird movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, You should know somebody kills a turtle on screen to prepare it. Uh, So if that bothers you then definitely don't watch this but if you're like hmm, i wonder how they slaughter how someone would slaughter a turtle to then cook it in a dish then uh here's another reason why you should watch this movie um so also, yes also seek some sort of counseling why i mean it's reasonable to want to know how you know traditionally somebody kills a turtle to eat it you know it's like people kill cows all the time to eat them yep if you're interested Watch this movie. If not, skip it. Uh, that's my number two, Tom Popo. All right. My number two is another one that we have talked about on Zach on Film. It is Dope, which is a 2015 coming-of-age movie written and directed by Rick uh, Famiyui, Yua, I believe is how you say his name, uh, produced by Forrest Whit- Whitaker and uh, Nina uh, Bol- Bolgovia. Uh, it is a story about three, um, I want to say... They live in Inglewood. It's about three high school kids who live in Inglewood, and they're kind of geeks. They really love everything about the 80s and 90s. That's where their aesthetic and everything comes from. Uh, Our lead uh, character, Malcolm, has uh, a flat top like um, a kid in play, but not as tall. Um, And they are just trying to navigate the waters and try to graduate and get into good schools. They're all super smart. Uh, They have their own band, which, you know, the music is really good in here. And they're still trying to be cool kids. They're trying to get with uh, the people that could give them some respect. And one night, Malcolm uh, sees a really, really attractive girl that he's attracted to in his school. And she's like, come to this uh, bar, this party. It'll be a lot of fun. Well, the big bad of of the school or the big bad of the neighborhood who's always trying to get Malcolm involved in his in his drug dealings happens to show up where a drug deal is going down and Malcolm and his friends end up with a big bag of, of dope. And the rest of the movie is them trying to figure out 
how to keep away from the drug dealers, how to get away from the gangbangers, how to uh, get the drugs back to the people that they, it needs to go to. And then everything hits the fan and Malcolm and his friends need to figure out how are they going to get out of a really bad situation. The good news is they do. How they do it, you'll need to go see it. Uh, or rent it, or download it, or however you get your movies on the streamings, whatever. It is dope. 2015, very, very good movie. If you haven't seen it, highly recommend it. All right, we have reached the top of our list, the pinnacle of our films. I believe that's pronounced pinnacle. Nope, it's pinnacle. Matthew, what do you have for your number one? Pinnacle. <clears throat> Sorry about that. I didn't have time to hit my cough switch. My number one is probably the highest profile thing on my list. My number one is a running gag with me in that occasionally I will mention it as one of those things that no one has ever heard of. And yet I don't know that that's a hundred percent true. And I feel like a lot of people have heard of the Kentucky fried movie, but if you've never seen the Kentucky fried movie, I think you're going to have to sit down and take a moment because you're in for a treat. You're in for a very strange 80 odd minutes of weird seventies parody, but also kind of brilliant stuff. This is a lot of the people who would uh, go on to become, um, well, Zucker, Abram Zucker, the people who did airplane and then sort of fell apart and started just making the movie again, only with fart jokes. Uh, a lot of people who were in the groundlings, a lot of second city people who would then go on to be on Saturday night live. Essentially, this is sort of that nexus of animal house and Saturday night live. And I think John Landis is in the thing. It's everywhere. It's all over the place. And I feel like, uh, just this last week, actually, as a side note, I was watching the documentary about John Belushi and I was hearing all of these names and hearing these voices during it. And I'm like, I know that. Why do I know that voice? It turns out I know that voice from the Kentucky Fried movie. And if, if you've heard the name but never seen the movie, I definitely recommend it. You need to go and see this if you're a person who appreciates goofiness the way I do. It has a really nice pun. Pun? No. It has a really nice parody, rather, of... Enter the Dragon, which takes up about a third of the runtime, but is totally worth the price of admission just by itself. And if, you know, you like things that are a little bit off color and blue and perhaps a little more sexy, sexy than you would normally see in, you know, 2020, it has that as well. It has that 70s edge of we don't care about anything, sex, drugs, rock and roll, woohoo, and let's make some jokes now. And if that appeals to you, Definitely check it out. If it doesn't, don't. Just just run away screaming. But the Kentucky Fried movie, my number one, is something that I feel like more people should be aware of and appreciative of. All right. Uh, Rodrigo, it's time for you to share your number one movie that people have probably heard of, may not have heard of, whatever. <laughs> probably not heard of. But uh, they should go check it out anyway. Yeah. So uh, my number one is a movie that I feel maybe plenty of people have seen and maybe lots of people saw when it came out. But it's not a movie that gets a lot of airplay and not a movie that people talk about a lot because of who wrote it and because of sort of the place that it occupies in that pantheon. Uh, this is a Stephen King movie, but when people 
about Stephen King movies, they either think about the horror stuff, like Christine or Cujo or Carrie, or they think of uh, Shawshank Redemption, right? Um, but there's a movie that's kind of exists in between all of these that is actually very good. And I kind of uh, watched it once uh, just because I was at work and the client was watching it. And then, of course, I've watched it 10 more times because my client likes it and we just watch whatever they want. Um, and that's, uh, but I don't mind because it's pretty good. And that's Dolores Claiborne. Mm. Uh, this is a movie that has no supernatural stuff, mostly. Um, it uh, stars um, Kathy Bates as the main character, as a, as a titular uh, Dolores Claiborne. It's a movie about a murder, uh, and then it maybe turns into a movie about several murders. Um, also, this is a part of the uh, Jennifer Jason Lee trinity, of course, along with Hot Sucker Proxy and Backdraft. Really, these three movies are off a piece. They're not. They're, don't, don't sit down and watch these three movies. They're not going to make any sense together. But um, definitely watch uh, Dolores Claiborne. I, when I was a kid, uh, this movie came out in 1995, and I was watching a lot of media in 1995. I was watching a lot of TV, and I remember this movie coming out and people talking about it, and it like I remember the commercials for it, and I was like, wow, that movie looks interesting, even though I'm a little child. Um, and from then, it took me like 30 years to actually watch this movie. And it was kind of worth the wait. Also, shouldn't have watched it as a kid. I wouldn't have understood what was happening. Because <laughs> uh, uh, content warning, some uh, sexual and physical abuse in this movie. Um, but if you can stomach that, it's not super... Exp- it, it, the, the sexual stuff is not explicitly on screen. Uh, the physical stuff is. Um, but if you can roll with that, definitely give Dolores Claiborne a shot. All right. Thank you for that, Rodrigo. All right, my number one, again, I've mentioned it a couple of times, uh, but it is, I think it is still very obscure for a lot of people. Now, it stars Ethan Hawke, and Ethan Hawke is an interesting actor. Sometimes he he finds things that are really, really good, like the movie I'm going to talk about, and other times he does a movie like the recently released Tesla, which is not so good. Uh, But we're at my number one, and... If I've got one time travel movie on my list, sometimes it's nice to have two time travel movies on your list just to cover your bases. And in 2014, Ethan Hawke stars in a movie called Predestination, based on a Robert Heinlein short story called All You Zombies. It is about a person who works for the Bureau of Time Management or something like that. He's a, he's a time traveler. And he is going back through time trying to find quote-unquote, the Mad Bomber, who is just blowing up things through time. And so he's going and trying to put the pieces together through time and trying to figure things out. And when the movie opens, he is in 1970s New York working as a bartender. And one night a customer uh, comes in and uh, starts telling her story about uh, these articles that she writes in, in a magazine that, coincidentally, our hero has been reading the entire time. And that's all I can say about this movie. Because at some point, everything will click for you and you'll be like, no, they're really not going to do this, are they? And then they do. And then they do it again. And then they do it one more time. And then they do it 
just to spite you. Uh, but Predestination is a fantastic little movie that I find myself thinking about quite a bit, um, both in the story that it's telling, the meta text that it's talking about, uh, as well as, you know, this this idea of predetermination or predestination uh, that everything was planned this way since the very beginning. It's very fascinating. And I think people might want to check this out. It may not be up everybody's alley, but it is certainly one that uh, that makes you go, huh, that is a clever way to do a time travel movie. And so that's why Predestination is my number one film that you may not have heard of, but should probably check out anyway. And that wraps up our list. In fact, I've got so many movies on my list. We could probably do this again, where people have probably heard most of these, including Push and Jumper, that are on my list, but haven't seen them yet and probably should. I think we may have to re-examine this again in the future. But until then, I'm going to encourage all of our listeners to head over to the Major Spoilers Discord server, jump in the top five channel, and share your top five films that you may not have heard of, but you should probably see anyway. Everybody's going to make a recommendation. Everybody's going to talk about their list. Everybody's going to read their list. Everybody's probably going to go check out the things on your list. Why? Because everybody loves a list, and we will see you again very soon. Actually, we won't see you. This is an audio podcast. There you go. This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.